morning, everyone. This is Anne Shine, and I am thrilled that you are back for another episode of my podcast, Mid Moms and More. And today we're going to talk about the emotional journey. And we're going to tie a lot of the episodes together to that journey. And my special guest for today is my husband, Jeff. Good morning. I'm glad to be here. Thank you, Jeff, for joining me. Today, we're going to look at the emotional journey. I like to call it a roller coaster. I think that it's always changing. There are ups and downs as USNA parents and also as military parents. And it's something that evolves, but never really leaves us. We think that we might start to get used to something and then something will change and all those emotions will come back. The first thing I'd like to say is that it is normal. It is normal to be emotional. It is normal to start crying at the drop of a dime. When you see a flag or hear a song, you're not alone. I lived through it. I think my husband, Jeff, probably did too. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's just so many things that are new and you don't know what to expect. We, we've been super close with all our kids. And I think the ability not to reach out when we want to, or even be there sometimes when they need us, because they could be underway, they could be deployed, that they can communicate with us. Yes. Communication does change. And even as things change, beginning with I-Day or right before I-Day, when they get that appointment, we start to think forward to them making this courageous choice. I like to call it because it's less than 1% of the population that volunteer to serve our nation, right? Even though they're at the academy and they get a quote unquote free education my husband and I, as BGOs, always like to say that it's on a deferred payment plan. Yes, you're not paying for your college tuition, but you are going to pay with time uh, of service. So they're going to move into the Marine Corps or fleet, and, and they're going to serve our, our nation and stand in the gap for all of us to be safe. That journey progresses from plebe year through first year and out into the fleet and Marine Corps. There are different emotions that surface as parents. Before I-Day, it's that pride. I remember just seeing the flag waving when I was driving down a road and all of a sudden I'd start crying or I would hear a song and I would start crying or I would see an image of the yard and I would start crying. So all all of that is normal. Then of course, I day, we all know is such a big emotional day, not only for us as parents, but especially for our then plebes or current plebes and that cutting of the cord, so to speak, that happens right away that day that you bring your child to the Naval Academy and they get inducted and they take that oath right there, you're turning them over to the Navy and things just naturally change. You may come back to an empty house or empty your house. As Jeff mentioned, being so close to our kids, as many of us, if not all of us are, and just missing them at when we got home. And I would walk past the room and break into tears. I would fold their laundry that was left uh, that we had brought back from I-Day and I would start crying all over again. With, With our second, what happened is they uncharacteristically left their room at the rental, just things everywhere. I packed up that bag in tears. We brought it home and it sat in the bedroom until they returned home for Thanksgiving. I just could not bring myself to unpack that bag. All of those feelings are different. It's like you have a big hole in your heart that nothing can fill. And we also found out that our house was quieter in our case, because we figured out very quickly who the prankster was and who the troublemaker (laughs) was. Don't you remember Jeff? Oh yeah. We quickly realized it was our eldest who was class of 17 that 
really was the instigator of, of so much. And our, our daughter was kind of like the leveling force between the two boys that were bookends with her being in the middle. And it sounds silly, but it's time to walk the dogs and there's no one there to walk the dogs. Good thing is I got more steps out of it, but it's those little things that you did as a family unit. Part of you was incomplete. It was like a missing link in the chain. Yes, absolutely. And I know in my book, a USA Moms journal that's available in the mid store, I do talk about that missing part of your life where we would call to make restaurant reservations and we would make them for five. And all of a sudden it's like, oh no, it's four. And then when our mid came back for Thanksgiving break, I made a reservation for four. We were going somewhere and, and, and he looked at me like saying, uh, excuse me, there are five. It's that kind of going back and forth that you have to get used to and that you deal with in an emotional way. And I think moms probably wear their hearts on their sleeve more than dads, but that's not always the case. I also remember just going into the bathroom. Sometimes I'd cry in the shower because I figured it's easier to hide it. And I didn't want my family to worry about it. But all of those things are very, very normal for the moms out there that are going through that. Don't think that you're alone or that you might be going crazy. This is completely a part of the journey and it's very normal. So as we shift from plebe year to youngster year, you'll find that relationships start to shift if it doesn't happen even a little bit sooner and boundaries start to shift too. I mentioned in my book of, of a conversation that I had with our son, our oldest, mm -hmm. when he was a youngster, where he started to set boundaries. I love seeing you guys, but, and now they want to start spending time with some of their friends. They want to start doing things on their own. So that causes another emotional shift as a parent and a reevaluation of the relationship that you have with this now adult, right? The other thing that happens too, is that you have to guide your midshipmen through doubt because they'll start dealing with doubt at different stages of their journey. And Jeff, can you talk a little bit about that? There are different points in their journey. There are similar points, plebe and youngster year, and then second class and first year that doubt starts to shift to other areas. But can you talk a little bit about the, the doubt that can creep in with plebe year and youngster year? Well, there's so many things. One is, what have I got myself into? And, and I think that's part of the comments or the thoughts that go on. But I think where you see the impact is the first time they come home for Thanksgiving. And I think within three seconds of entering our house, both of our mids were, were in civvies for the first time since I day. And then they start hanging out with their friends and they're hearing stories of their experiences at their college and the freedoms they have. And it really causes them to pause and really wonder, did I make the right choice? And again, it's, reminding them and supporting them of why they originally made the decision to go to the academy and has anything changed about that. The holidays are definitely an impact. Uh, just having the whole family together and doing different things together. There's a lot of questioning that goes on. And part of our role as parents is to listen and to support. And at the end, it's always their decision. It's always their decision as to what's coming up. And I think it becomes even more evident you know, with spring break. Our eldest never had a spring break. 
because he was a member of the Glee Club and every spring break was their tour. Yeah, the, our daughter as well. The yeah. second the second mid didn't really have a spring break, but we did hear from other parents and we did hear from other mids that had spring break. And when they returned to the yard after spring break, they, they were really doubting because especially as youngsters, they're looking at signing their two for seven at the beginning of second class mm-hmm. year. And they've just been with their friends, most likely. They've been traveling. They've been having fun. They've been enjoying freedom. And then they're back in the yard to their very scheduled lives. And it does cause some doubt. It's important for us as parents to let them vent. Because a lot of times, just that venting, getting it out is all they need. And the other thing is to encourage them and to remind them, yes, it's true. But what is the big picture here? So always reminding them of the big picture and of the purpose that they're pursuing at the Naval Academy and in serving our nation. That's as youngsters, you'll find that shift in in your parent-child relationship. They're now adults. They will begin set up boundaries and and you have to respect that and find a way to compromise and, and get through. The other thing that's important too is to allow them to advocate for themselves. It's very easy. I know I do it all the time, even now where instead of listening, I'll try to problem solve. And that's where my other half, my husband will kind of put his hand on my shoulder and remind me, it's not a time to problem solve. It's just a time to listen. (laughs) So (laughs) that becomes important too. And to become more of an advisor. And I talk about all of this in my book in depth with a lot of different examples. And it is very normal. It is very normal for you to feel that maybe you're not as important, that maybe you're not as big a part of your midshipman's life or your plebe's life. And it's true. We're not there, unfortunately, to share every moment like we used to, but that doesn't mean that they don't need you. And that certainly doesn't mean that they don't love you because they will need you. Trust me, we have our oldest who will still depend on us to help him move, to help him get organized, to help him bounce ideas around about a decision that they might be making. And, and that feels good. So they do need you. They just need you in a different way, perhaps is a good way to put it. Yeah. And and I, I think if we all look back, we were the same way with our parents. Granted, not all of us went into the military, did different things, but we're there to support. It's different in high school. You could see your kids' grades. You could see what's going on, different things. At the academy, you see nothing. And you can't call up for a parent-teacher comp. All these other things that come up is really letting them go. And as Annie said, to advocate for themselves. And they're really amazing young men and women. And they really can do it on their own. Yes, they're very, very capable. I mentioned at the beginning that this podcast is meant to tie a lot of other podcast episodes together from an emotional perspective. I wanted to point out that there are several podcast episodes that you can listen to that are tied together by this episode that where we're looking at the emotional perspective. So not your usual summer camp episode one. Iday and Plebe Summer with special guest Julie Haller is another good one that to listen to and within the context of the emotional journey as well. What Are Sponsors Anyway is a great one with my friend Kathleen, who is an alumni wife, who's a mid-mom, who is a USNA employee, and also a sponsor parent for, I think, over 30 years. The other great one is from my favorite mentor, and she was probably one of the biggest influences as I came on board as a Navy parent. 
And that is uh, Elaine Bry's podcast, Embrace a Suck and More Words of Wisdom. And that is episode seven. As you're listening here, kind of keep those in mind as well. And I do address again, a lot of these in my book, a USNA mom's journal, so that you can get a better picture of how these things fit together, because it really is a journey that is not only physical and intellectual in our heads, we know it, but we need to accept it and know it and own it in our hearts too. As we look towards second class years. So we talked a little bit about youngster year. So as we look at second class year, our midshipmen are, have signed their two for seven at the beginning before they even <clears throat> take classes. They're more settled in, they have more freedoms this year. So they can leave the yard Friday, as we've discussed in prior episodes, they can wear civilian clothes. They don't have to wear their uniform when they're out in Annapolis, but now they're thinking toward their service selection and assignment and toward commissioning. So you may find that your mids put more boundaries on you. They want to definitely spend more time with friends as they have more privileges and greater freedom. And the emotional shift begins again. You're proud of your mid. They've signed their two for seven. And even though you may want to go visit them, they may say, well, I'm with friends that weekend. Or you, you, you may find that those boundaries are being drawn and it's important not to feel left out. It's just kind of a progression in their development as independent, not only adults, but as naval officers. When they sign the two for seven, that is such a serious time, but it's a celebration time. When you get the chance to see the photos of your mid signing that you see the look of pride and joy, not only on them, but on their company officers looking at them. But it's a serious commitment. And this is where you're at I don't say it's the point of no return, but this is now where your future is set going forward. There are some that will not sign the two for seven. And it's just really counseling and thinking about it because I've yet to meet a mid that has left the academy on their own volition that doesn't regret it to some extent. Yes, pretty much. You Um, know, if I, I think back at the podcast, what you did with your dad's class of 59. My dad's plebeia roommate, great guy. He did not pass because he missed the passing grade by 0.04. And they did not allow him to retake the test or to retake the class in the summer because they had too many mids. He was one of the ones that was separated. And it broke my heart really because for over 50 years, this man had lived in regret, thinking that he wasn't good enough. And finally meeting up with his former classmates and his roommates and feeling that acceptance. And he and I had a chance for a one-on-one conversation where I, when I, where I said, you know, if they did not value you and value your friendship, you would not be on this podcast with them. And you could just see the weight kind of lift off that that's to say that all of those decisions need to be weighed carefully, but in the end, they are our sons and daughters decisions. Our job is just to help them see all the angles without necessarily making the choice for them, but those moments will happen. And again, that's another emotional shift that can be very disconcerting and can cause a lot of angst for us as parents, just like during plebe summer, our kids would call or we'd get a letter and all of a sudden we're all worried because they're not doing well because they don't like it there or whatever the issue might be. 
And then you hop on the next call or you get the next ladder and they have no idea what you're talking about because they don't even remember. They just kind of need to get it off their chest. So you'll find that happening a lot during youngster year, if there's any doubt and uh, during second class year, as they're looking toward their, their commissioning options as well. Yeah. And, and that's a, that's a great point you bring up. And I think back one of my favorite books that was recommended when I was in business school was Stephen Covey's The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And one of the habits is seek first to understand, then to be understood. And it's the habit of, of listening. Most of us go to problem solving, as Annie mentioned earlier, but yep. really releasing our agenda and just being there for them. Sometimes they just want a sounding board. Sometimes they just want a safe place to vent on what's going on. And then they go back. We, we've all had the chance where we've screamed in the car by ourselves. Sometimes we have to serve that role. And it's so hard not to try to solve, not to try to fix. That's part of our job as parents. It's something we did when they were younger, but it's really listening. It's being there for them. So as Annie had mentioned, your relationship changes. It goes from where you're much more directive to where you're much more hands-off and eventually gets to the point where there's more collaboration and, and conversation. You're an advisor. Yeah. So it's, it is, it is a roller coaster ride. And one of our favorite expressions Annie and I have and, and our kids have is that some days you just need a roller coaster. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But some days it's really nice if you're on, a, it's a small world ride. And things well, no, are no, smooth. not small world. I okay. don't want that song. No, okay. pick another one. Okay. <laughs> Jungle cruise. Okay. Yeah. yeah sounds smooth. better. Sounds better. And then with second class year, you will find that your mid needs you because they will ask your opinion about class rings. You might get to help them choose the ring. You'll probably see them get dressed up for a ring dance. And all of those emotions come back again. You know, that, that you're proud that you feel included. And then as they look toward commissioning during second class year, then those emotions begin to come in that you're looking at them exiting the Naval Academy and going into the fleet or Marine Corps as first years comes in and they do their service selection. So they'll fill in their choices. And then in November, they find out their service assignments. There's a whole other emotional roller coaster that emerges if they get their service selection. You're elated for them. You're excited with them. You're looking forward. You're all on board. But if they don't happen to get their first choice, you have to help them also get through their disappointment. So it shifts again. The idea here is that it's kind of a circle that keeps coming back in different contexts. And you're always going to be the one that they can lean on their kind of foundation that doesn't go away that holds them up. But the way that you do that is going to change, right? Yeah. And I think it's an education process for us as well, because when our eldest entered the academy, I really didn't know a lot about it. But as you go through it, you start to grow as well in your knowledge and understanding. Different things are getting experienced. So when our daughter entered plebe summer, our son was going into his first year. So we kind of had an understanding of what she was going to be going through. But surprise, surprise, she's different. And she handles things differently. She looks at things differently. But at least we knew the experience of what was coming up. The fact that our eldest was a detailer that plebe summer was nice to know at least emotionally for us that her older brother was there but annie had shared the story where we met a a football player on plea parent weekend and our daughter's only request was that we brought her puppies up to see her and as we were leaving 
mountain of a man runs up going puppies, puppies. I love puppies. And turned out as a starting fullback for the football team. And we just started having conversations and he knew our eldest who was also a firstie and, and said, well, how do you feel about your, your daughter being here? And we said, it's great. And knowing her older brother here helps us a lot. And he looked at us and goes, sir, ma'am, you're wrong. And we looked like, what do you mean we're wrong? He said, she now has 4,000 brothers and sisters that have her back. At least for mostly me, it, it was maybe a little tougher with our daughter going through, but I left with such a feeling of comfort and peace knowing that I could trust she was in good hands. And that was, I think, even with our eldest was the hardest part was trusting the system, the system, trusting the leadership of the academy, trusting why they did things. Mm-hmm. Eventually, and we're going to talk about it when they get to fleet is you kind of see the logic behind or the method to the madness. Yes, yes. And that's something that I addressed with Julie Haller as well in the making the grade, but we'll discuss it here from an emotional perspective briefly. To continue with first year, you'll begin the commissioning planning probably at the end of second class year. And that is a whole other range of emotions because you're so vested into planning a commissioning celebration, into celebrating the great accomplishments over the past four years. There's so much excitement. And yet there's also trepidation because you start celebrating those last first, Mm -hmm. right? So it's the last first day of school, the last Thanksgiving, they come home, the last Christmas, they come home, the last, a lot of last first and a lot of last things. And it becomes almost bittersweet. And as you progress into first year, you begin to, at least I did, I begin to have this longing thinking, okay, our journey is coming to an end, particularly with our last minute, our, our, Our youngest uh, ended up going to Notre Dame NROTC instead of the Naval Academy. And so it was, she was really our last mid. And then to top it all off, of course, as I always mentioned, the virtual commissioning, but that grief that you're no longer going to have that DBIDS card to access the yard. We went to visit a former student of mine (laughs) that wanted to get into the Naval Academy and finally made it in on her second or third try. So she is now a third try. Yep. Cause she went to naps and then to, to, uh, is, is a plebe currently at the Naval Academy. And so we brought her food and it was after the allowed time and she had to walk us in. We could not walk onto the yard. And that was a realization that, oh my gosh, like our journey is over. We have no debits card. We have no, uh, mid-store shopping card. This is very depressing. So you start to mourn that kind of absence of, of being connected to the yard in some sense. And, and so that will be another emotional shift as you get closer to commissioning. And then of course, commissioning happens, the elation, but then it's going out into the fleet or Marine Corps. Can you talk a little bit about that, Jeffrey? Yeah. So it's, it's just a little, let me go back a little bit, a little bit addressing the whole commissioning week is there's so much emotion to it. It's, it's planning a wedding on a much bigger scale. And- uh, kind of. Yeah. But the emo- sometimes you get so caught up in what we're trying to do that sometimes we had a pause and remember, oh, wait, it's not about us. It's about our, our, our kid. yeah. And what is important to them and what do they want? And there's negotiation, there's veto power, there's yes. like, you know, yes. and collaboration, but it's really melding that. And I think the one hardest thing for us was we were fortunate that we had an extra three years at the Academy 
because of the overlap with our daughter who is class of 20. But when your mid-store card no longer works and you can't get into the mid-store, and this is not an endorsement for everyone to become blue and gold officers, but that helps you get into the mid-store. But it's also when you realize like, I can't just go in there. I need my Navy fixed. I need my Navy gear and, and dealing with yes. all of that. And buying at the gift shop is great, but it's really not the same. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, and then with commissioning, I remember with our daughter's virtual commissioning and we had to be Semper Gumby. For us, we had experienced it once, but our daughter hadn't. And for parents that only have one child attend the academy, they missed out on the opportunity for class of 20. And I remember the following year, there were parents that were just upset. They only got six tickets. And I remember I was like, I would have been happy with one. Mm -hmm. I would yeah. have been happy with two. And so I had to fight that off because you know what? That was our experience right. and that was our emotions and, and it was tough, but we made the best of it. It turned out to be a great experience. The nannies talked about that and other yeah. things, but. And the other thing that's important is that even though we grieved over that, our daughter was over it in five minutes. Oh my she gosh. processed it and then she's on to the next thing. And I think also they are so ready after four years to be out and to be doing what they're supposed to be doing that it's an afterthought. They don't even think about it. As parents, however, we're stuck in the moment, right? Because we, we are looking forward to that, to whatever that may be, whether it's commissioning or whatever, and they're over it in two seconds and they're on to the next thing. So that's something else to consider is that it's good to follow your mid's lead. Absolutely. Because if they're over it, then you need to be over it too. And I would quote my mentor, Elaine, from the podcast episode, episode seven, that, you know, our job as military parents is not to wring our hands and it's not to worry. And, and it's not to say, be careful. Uh, you might get hurt. It's to say, you know what? You're the best of the best. Go out there and be the best and do what you're meant to do. Keeping that in mind also gives us strength for that emotional switch to happen, that we need to be strong parents so that our mids can continue to be strong at the job that they've chosen to do. Kind of touching on that topic, when they go out to the fleet or Marine Corps, it's important to maintain that mindset no matter what is going on. Because the bottom line is, is our, our midshipmen and we as parents, we have gone through it. We have gone through the four years. We have gone through the whole kind of wheel, the 360 of emotions, of difficulties, of challenges to be overcome. They have been overcome which proves to them that they can do it. And it proves to us that we can do it too. Because as they shift out into the fleet, into the Marine Corps, they're going to be plebes again. They're going to be mere ensigns or second lieutenants, and they're going to have to work they, their way up. So that whole emotional roller coaster, in a sense, starts all over again as they begin their training to be in their assigned duty station and to be in their service community. And when deployment comes. Yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a great crossover because I mentioned earlier that all of a sudden the things that happened at the academy start to make sense. And obviously for our newly minted officers, but us as parents, mm -hmm. because when they're deployed, you may not hear for months how they're doing. And you quickly learn that no news is good news. Yes. But if you think about Plebe Summer, we didn't hear a lot. No, and no new, no news was good news too. Yeah. So that that kind of became my adage when our oldest was deployed for nine months. If I didn't hear anything, that was great news. 
and we would get the sporadic email. We knew that they were somewhere in the world near land uh, because they were now able to send one email that would maybe come every three, every three months or every eight weeks or something like that. Then when they're at one point they were in the news and, and the captain yeah. allowed everybody to, to make like literally a two second call. Hi, I'm fine. There's something in the news. It's not us. We're fine. Goodbye. That was it. Again, you take those as gifts because it just settles your, your mind. It settles your heart. I found myself a lot on my knees, especially during deployment. I'm always on my knees for my kids praying, but particularly during deployment, not only praying for our child, but praying for the entire crew, for the ship, for, for just everyone in their strike group. And that is what probably gave me most comfort. And then you shift also into this operational security that we learned about as mid-parents that you never reveal the whereabouts, that you never tell dates, that you never tell times, that you really don't post anything about where they are or what they might be dealing with for the security of themselves and their shipmates, right? So I was able to go on a, on a tiger cruise when our oldest returned from deployment. I was on his ship for nine days. I didn't post a single thing. When I got home, I posted a few pictures and I still have a write-up that I haven't posted. I'm not sure when the right time will be and not divulging anything just about my experience as a parent. I don't know when that will post, but you always want to hold things close. And sometimes that's hard because you're, we're proud of our kids and we want to shout it out to the world, but we can't because their life depends on it and their shipmates or uh, platoon mates lives or their units lives depend on it. And we have to hold it close. So that's where our battle buddies that we always talk about come in, where we can share with them, where we can ask them to pray with us, where we can celebrate joyful things and, and the, in, a, in a closed environment. And that's just part of the emotional journey as well, that you have to hold back that joy and that pride because we have to think of safety first. And sometimes I like to say ignorance is bliss. When our son did re returned from deployment, our daughter, where she is now, some of the stories that, that we heard, of course, that weren't classified or anything, but just different things that had happened. I am so thankful that I did not know at the time because I don't think I would have slept. So just trust them, trust their training, trust their unit, trust uh, no news is good news, be Semper Gumby. And sometimes it is going to suck and just embrace the suck and just kind of fight through it and know that you can do it because you've done it before. Yeah, and it's the wonderful thing about the Naval Academy community is that the parents are there for you. The people that have gone through it are there to support you. You don't know what you don't know. I remember for me, if you speak about the emotional journey, when our son was deployed, I could not watch those videos they put up of deployed service members returning home and surprising their families. I, I, oh, yeah. I, I would like- He cried what? like a baby, for sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and like one time at lunch at work, I was just looking through stuff and I was like, I started to well up in tears. And it's, it's, it's so difficult sometimes to release those things and, and to know what's going on. But I think the academy has prepared us for when they're deployed. And the harsh reality is a lot of our meds are going to be placed in harm's way when they graduate as officers. 
we've been there with friends that have gone through really tough times and we've become close with people that have shared their stories. And the reality is that they can be put in those situations and you just have to pray that the academies prepared them, which they have. And it all makes sense because we've spoken to young officers like, oh, now I know why we did a chow call or now I know why we did right. this. Yeah, they, yeah, you're right. They're, they're prepared in so many ways. In so many other ways, they're not prepared as yeah. well and because it's a new a whole new learning curve so they start all the way at the bottom and they have to build themselves up so they're prepared for certain things and then they're just going to learn a lot of the other things uh, I remember our oldest saying that he was not prepared to go in as a SWO looking into the eyes of 80 sailors that were waiting to hear what he had to say and to lead them to whatever it is they were going to do and he, and, and, he, and he felt so unprepared but that's where he was trained to ask questions, to listen, to understand, to be concerned, to, and, and the one thing we drilled into our children, all of them is listen to your master chief, listen to your master chief, listen to your master chief. They're there to train you, to guide you, and they're a wealth of information. And that's what he did. And he had a great, well, successful deployment in any case. It was a lot of hard work, but in the end, they, they did what they set out to do and, and they all got home safely, which is the bottom line. Yeah. So just remember that we're here for each other. Read my latest post about Navy moms, BFFs for life, a story about Amid and the Navy mom mafia, quote unquote, which has its funny points, but it also talks about our Navy community, our Navy family. Also, your class pages become important. Your community service community page will become important as they move out into the fleet. Your company page will also be important because it's a smaller community where you've made friends over the past four years, maybe closely knit. And then, of course, your battle buddies are just your, your go-to, your fallback. And they're the ones that hold you up. And they're the ones you hold up when that needs to happen. And in the end, know that you're not alone that what you feel is not necessarily unique to you, that we have all been there at one point or another, and that we're also there to support you, that we're there to hold you up. And there is no such thing as, uh, am I going crazy? No, you're not. It's part of the journey and, and know that it is. And don't hesitate to reach out to ask questions or to ask for support because we're always here. Any words to wrap up, Jeff, or? No, I, I think it's well said. It's just enjoy the Academy experience. Enjoy every moment of it, the times you get to go there. And when they're firsties, do try to go to at least one football game if you haven't been so. Do try to go to- Army, Navy. Army, Navy at least once. Do try to make sure you go to the mid-store before your card expires. Yes. And just those little things, take advantage of it as much as you can. They're memories that you're going to have. And I know there are people that go to the academy, just have lifelong friendships, not only the mids themselves, but also the families and things yes. that go with it. So yes. enjoy the ride, be patient. It's okay to have the emotions and you're part of a special group. We're definitely a special family and we have some very special, wonderful and dedicated children who are going to stand in the gap for all of us. So we're all in this together. Semper Gumby, embrace the suck. And 
we're here if you need. Yep. Just reach out. Go Navy. Beat Army.